So I says, man. I fry mine in butter. Oh, every time. <laughs> hey, listeners, welcome back to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We're going to be doing a special episode about Irish horror. We should have gotten another beer. I can grab another beer right now. You want one? Yeah, let's pause this. Yeah. If you don't mind. I don't mind at all. all I'll right. be right back with beer. You know, I didn't set out to be a dentist. Well, they do have the highest suicide rate out of any profession, right? But you buy the tools at a yard sale, what are you going to do? I know. I've done a couple of pop videos through it. There's this dentist. He has lots of money and he can play the guitar. And he's quite handsome and it, so he wants to be a pop star. So like, every few years he'll do a, he wants to do a pop video, so I storyboard those. And wow. Some people film it and get a bunch of hot chicks to play his romantic rendezvous. It's hygienists. Wow. <laughs> uh. There's so many weird little quote celebrities like that. Like my friend Ethan was doing a comic in Seattle for a guy named Orca Man. <laughs> he has a pig that dresses up and ride, he rides around on a jet ski. Wow. And he's like a kind of real life superhero that doesn't really do any anything, heroics. Anything super? Or super. Do you know Phoenix Jones? Not personally. But do you know of him? I know of him. Yeah, there's an actual superhero that goes around fighting crime in Seattle. Yeah, there's a, there's a rash of them, wasn't there, a couple yeah. Of years yeah. ago? Yeah. Yeah, he's a bit of a badass, and he assembled a team of other superheroes who I don't think were as super as him. Mm-hmm. But uh, they did manage to thwart a lot of crime, it seemed. So the reason we're even talking about superheroes and stuff is because... Seattle sounded being the Irish. It was. (laughs) The Emerald Isle, the Emerald City, same diff. Uh It was founded... Or were they founded by... Munchkins. Munchkins. People from Kansas. Not on... Kansans? Kansans. Kansans. Kansassans. Kansassans. So, uh, welcome back to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. Uh, We are a podcast that usually talks about horror movies, unlike last episode, where we talked about everything (laughs) but the movies. Well, we talked talked about movies we had watched. watched, None of them were Irish. Didn't get around to the movies we were supposed to talk about. No, but this is a special edition. My fault. (laughs) Well, no, not at all. I filled up all the time. We haven't done this in two weeks, because... Because I was at Comic-Con like a dick. And I, so, I was working on Terrors in the Crypt. Yeah. How's that going? What's your excuse? Um, <laughs> oh, you, you just lost out because we, we bailed. You guys were out. I should have done a <laughs> podcast on my own. That'd be interesting. Yeah, let's leave the door unlocked. Come in here anytime. Anytime. Just hit record. I had to do this like short like four-page Terrors in the Crypt story they suddenly wanted, and they gave me two days to do it. Ouch. I, I, I bargained them for 
to four days. <laughs> oh, okay. But basically, it was one of those like um, joke stories that they used to do in the originals, where they had the editorial team get involved with some oh, okay. horror story. Oh, and, uh, a little parody of itself. Yeah, yeah. So, does so, it seem like the series is doing all right? I have no you idea. You have no idea. No idea. Um, I but, haven't gone. But basically, down to I had to shop. draw all the people I work for. Uh huh. So <laughs> I might be losing my job with that any time now. Uh, huh. They told me not to do it as caricatures. Huh. To draw them pretty straight. Huh. Well, alrighty. Which, which helps to do it fast, you know. When when you're just drawing from photos, it's you yeah. don't have to think about design or anything. But, oh, uh, it, it, it's fun because, like, uh, at one point, they, um, uh, the, the rich guy shows them his, his gallery of EC. And it's like, uh, so they wanted, they wanted it to be stuffed with memorabilia from the original Tales from the Crypt stories, which would have been great if I'd had weeks to work on this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, anyway, I got to draw, like, bits from the original series. That was fun to do. Nice. All right, so you were drawing bits. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I was hiding out at Comic-Con. Will was, uh, at, at, he was the victim to our schedules. Um, we talked a bunch about other stuff but the movies <laughs> that we watched for this special St. Patrick's Day episode of Chewing the Scenery. Mm-hmm. So let's get to it. Um, first, before we do, Jolie, and you've been to Ireland is, yes. it, is it a mystical, magical place full of scariness? Yes, leprechauns, everything. Yeah? Yeah, I know uh, people ought to listen to the previous episode where Richard talks about the actual history of St. Patrick. But um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so we went there and it was really friendly people and, uh, you know, this guy showed us around Dublin and he was, he was, he was very funny, you know. Um, they, have, they have this, like, street with all these statues with fountains. Uh-huh. As there's this, like, a rec- like reclining... A woman statue with fountains and he i don't know what she actually represented but he called her the floozy in the jacuzzi <laughs> <laughs> oh the irish ever clever <laughs> but uh yeah so we, we spent a couple of days in uh, uh dublin and you know saw the library and uh i didn't didn't do a ulysses tour or anything didn't have the oh. time uh, I, I read i read that novel um, what but, what percentage of the Irish that you talked to had that that funny inflection where everything they say sounds like a question? Mm, Not many. None of them. None of them. None of them. Uh, we Must were in, be a regional thing. Yeah, we went to Dublin and Southern Ireland. Okay. And we were out in the country most of the time. Hmm, I'll have to find out where that's from. Uh, yeah. So we we stayed out with uh, some people on a farm. And, yeah. Uh, it's it just really nice. And no one was mad at you for being English? No. Uh, I wouldn't go to no- Northern Ireland. That's another story, isn't it? Yeah, I can't go into. But uh, it, it'd probably be, be safe. But I, I, I can't go there. No. I'm, I understand. I mean, there's there's people who hang on to stuff that they shouldn't. Yeah. And it's like, come on, this is old. I'll tell you off air. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But everywhere we went, it was very nice. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, all the Irish people I've met, um, except for maybe a couple of people who were, I don't know, running jobs that were like construction jobs or something who might've just been hard asses for that reason. Um, all the Irish people I've run into were really nice. And it seems like as a culture, it's just like, well, why be an asshole? It's, you know, 
there's no reason for it. Um, one of my favorite bars in Seattle. Back that's to, what Americans are for. That's what that's what we do best. Um, I used to go to this place in uh, Seattle called the Owl and Thistle, and I don't know if it's still there or not. But everybody who worked there seemed like they were like right off the boat, you know, straight from Ireland. They were all faking it. <laughs> they were like, they're all out of work actors. If you work here, you got to do an accent. Can you do an accent? Yeah, they're all actually from Scotland. Yeah, they're like just just end everything so it sounds like a question. You I know? find that true of South African accents, but not Irish so much. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's it's weird. It's it's probably a regional thing from one yeah. specific part of Ireland. But uh, you would get someone who can actually pour a black and tan, and it would be separate, and it would cascade, and it mm. looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Which is basically harp and Guinness, right? Mm. Okay. So that being said, you've been there, Julian. You yes. had a good time. Yes. People were awesome. Yeah, recommend it. All right, cool. Uh, Will, what's been... I've never been to Ireland. I've been in Mexico. Oh. Some Irish people fought with Mexico against the U.S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny tie-in. Apparently, they love burritos in Ireland. Really? Yeah, that's what that's what I've heard. I would imagine they'd love green chili. What's not to like about burritos? Who doesn't like right. green chili? If you've tried pizza or burritos, of mm. course you're going to love it. Yeah. I or have... fried chicken. Yeah. I've never understood that stereotype. You know, ooh, black people like fried chicken. Who doesn't like fried chicken? Yeah, who's the knucklehead who's tried it and didn't like it? I mean, obviously vegetarians wouldn't go for it, but... I imagine even a vegetarian would go, this is damn good. <laughs> yeah, stereotypes with food. What the hell? Mm, honestly. I, I'm hungry, so... <laughs> this isn't helping. keep bringing up food. <laughs> turn this show into a food podcast the history of food well let's turn it into a movie podcast what movie did you watch for this i didn't watch any movie that's why i've been talking like Damn this it. the whole time i, knew I watched it. the hollow but i can't remember if it was the hollow or the hollow well i watched baltimore i can't remember i've either. seen the hollow that's not yeah. with leprechauns isn't it yeah or forest spirits of some sort yeah yeah so spookies in the woods did yeah. you like it uh i found it very derivative i remember we talked about it at some point um yeah i got impatient with it i remember yeah it was dull mostly it just seemed kind of like everything you've seen before i was gonna watch a movie called shrooms yeah oh yeah i want to see that one i saw that but did you a few years ago okay um i didn't get around to it yeah, it's been this long morning. enough. I don't remember much about it. Uh, the reviews seemed like it was another one that suffered from you've seen it all before. Right. Yeah, I don't remember uh, anything original really happening. And the, the most tripped out bits seemed like it was kind of a fish-eyed lens. Yeah. And not anything really out there. Like tricks they would use in the 70s on television. Uh-huh. This hippie is freaking out. Yeah. One of those kind of deals. Here comes Joe Friday. So you didn't rewatch Leprechaun in the Hood? No, I didn't. Uh, I don't know why, but I can talk about it. It scarred me. (laughs) All right. All I remember from that is spaces represented by people walking around in a warehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a magic flute. A magic flute, just like an H and R, H, just like an H R Puff and stuff. The, just the, like H and R Block. The, uh, Leprechaun is played by Warwick Davis in that series. Yes. Yeah. And I think I've seen almost all of them, and yet I don't like the series at all. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I must have seen the first five. 
Yeah. So the first one had Jennifer Aniston in yeah. it. Yeah. And she's actually in it. But the one Leprechaun in the Hood. Uh, Coolio. Coolio's, Coolio's not actually in it. He stars in it, yet he explains. not actually in it. Explain to our listeners who haven't seen the movie, what does it seem like happened here? Oh, uh, as I talked before, it seems like they filmed Coolio or perhaps got some footage of him somehow. He's leaning against a door frame, as I remember. They go to like a church picnic and he, he's standing, you know, they go in and he's standing inside the office and it seems like it's totally cut from other footage. He doesn't interact with anyone, as I remember. He kind of waves. Okay. You know, it's been a number of years since I've seen it. It might not be as uh, <laughs> as it's become in my memory, you know, very, standing out very much. Uh, when you describe it, it sounds to me like the Patterson film of Bigfoot. Yes, kind of. <laughs> it's like, I think that's Coolio, but I can't really tell. <laughs> kind of blurry. He's walking into the forest. They just filmed Coolio in a video off the TV. <laughs> I saw him in this sci-fi channel movie. I think it's called Pterodactyl. Ooh. And it's one of their biggest rated movies ever. Man. One of the last ones I watched from that channel i think i saw pterodactyl or at least saw clips of it mm. um it didn't look good but sci-fi never <laughs> does anything good i avoid anything with the sci-fi channel logo on it yeah even if they change the spelling doesn't matter siffy yes yeah, the syphilis network <laughs> get right. infected so you didn't you didn't watch a new one for this? I did not watch a new one. Okay, I watch no movies for this podcast. <laughs> uh, all right, fair enough. Julian, tell us what Sorry. you tell us what you watched. I'll take my demerits well, I, now. <laughs> I, I let you house. That is watch not house. Irish. I know, but watch it sometime. Then I you can, know. Then you can I... talk about a movie. Okay. <laughs> it's it's fun. I imagine it is. <laughs> Well, I, I wanted to see uh, Banshee movies because that's the you know one of the great stories of Ireland and Scotland, right? And uh, pretty thin on the ground, she's not really represented. Really? Like you, you look up, like there's there's equivalent spirits in different folklores. Like if you if you look up La, La Llorona, yep, there's plenty of movies. But, oh, really? Uh, yeah, Banshee, I can only find a couple. That's like, kind of... And Darby O'Gill is only in there for like a minute. Yeah, so it's kind of like a Wendigo, right? Yeah, yeah. You'd think there'd be more of it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So a banshee should be a creature that stalks at night and screams, right? Yeah, it's this uh, woman who foretells death in her family. And And if you hear her, you're going to die. Oh. Ireland is usually uh, connected with an old family, pure Irish. Okay. uh, Usually more well-to-do. Uh, who were cursed with the banshee? But uh, yeah, uh, um... so the, the banshee itself isn't going to try to do you harm. No, there's no, there's no direct like. So so it's a harbinger. Creature appears that strangles yeah. you. It's like a, you hear a banshee and you're in trouble. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so so I, I look I look for movies about banshees and yeah, and all I could find was uh, Darby O'Gill. There's probably some director video ones floating around now. Yeah, which I can't be bothered with, but uh, yeah, and the other one was this Vincent Price movie, Cry of the Banshee, from 1970. So in this, uh, mm. you hear what 
well, depending on which cut you watch, you hear what they characters refer to might be a banshee. Mm-hmm. But basically, it's a witchcraft movie in right. the mold of Witchfinder General. Okay. And uh, Blood and Satan's Claw. If you like those, those kind of muddy okay. witch hunting yeah. movies, yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Um, Blood on Satan's Claw is not bad. I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. I remember enjoying that one. Um, so what, what you have in this is this creature called a Shide. Uh, Shide is literally the... Um, there's mounds, burial mounds, uh-huh. that you find all over the old country. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it also refers to the fairy folk who live within them. Mm. And in Scotland, they're known as Sith. The Sith? Really? Hmm. Yeah. Where have we heard that before? Yeah. Well, uh, Lucas might have got it from the 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 fairy folk legend or uh, there's also sith in the Barsoom novels the Edgar Rice Burroughs okay. yeah that's probably there, where he got it wasp creatures in one of the books called yeah. sith anyway uh, so banshee ban means woman so oh, okay it's a woman from the mounds woman from the mounds okay uh, yeah so banshee day um and uh, Susie and the Banshee's got the name from this movie. Oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, she she said, uh, the cry of the Banshees, sick, had been on television a couple of nights before, and we thought Banshee was a great word. Uh, there was this punk gig in 76, and uh, Billy Idol dropped out, and they needed someone to fill this slot. He was in Generation X at the time. Yeah, and, and uh, so she'd been following the Sex Pistols, and um, the, she said, oh, yeah, I've got a band. And she hadn't. Uh-huh. She didn't have anyone who could play anything. They didn't have any songs. And she thought, this would be really punk. People who say, say oh, we're not going to rehearse or anything, you know, she knew they were lying. We're going to do it. So they went on that night and they did 20 minutes where she, she'd like recite the Lord's Prayer and the others would just like wail away on instruments. Nice. Make, making noise. And that was the first Who's in the Band she gave. Was Robert Smith playing with her at the time? No. Okay. Because no, he, he joined uh, her later. This is the guy who, uh, is a guy who would become Steve Severin. Uh, but yeah, and I think the drummer from the Sex Pistols oh. played with them. Okay. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. But anyway, so there's that. That is punk. Yeah. Man. So that's what Banshee I'd... comes from. Wow. The music was totally secondary. Punk. Yeah. But then, then, then uh, you know, Susan and the Banshees became this oh, they're, great they're band. Great. They just yeah. transcend oh, yeah. punk. They transcend golf. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like one of the great. That, they, but they, that, you know, they yeah. deserve their own category. Yeah, yeah. They're just out there on their own. Uh, anyway, um, should I talk about the film now? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Cry of the Banshee, nineteen seventy, filmed mm-hmm. over four weeks in nineteen sixty nine. Um, so Witchfinder General being 68. Okay. And there's quite a bit of crossover. Uh, budget was forty five to $50,000. Wow. Uh, box, box office was about three times that. I mean, it's, this is one of the series of films from uh, Gordon Hessler and Christopher Wicking. And Gordon Hessler directed The Oblong Box in 69. And he did uh, Scream and Scream Again, which is this crazy... It, it, oh, you, you that, I know it the title. 970. There's, 
uh, I don't want to give it away, but it's like really bizarre. It's one of those movies that, that there's, it shows you various events and it uh-huh. intercuts these various events. You don't know what's going on. And it's so strange. There's like one of the stories is this guy who, who keeps waking up in this bed in this, some hospital and then more and more of him is missing as the movie goes on. Oh, yeah. And then there's like other things going on. It all comes together in the end and kind of explains it, but it's so wacky. Oh, wow. But it's got Vincent Price in it as well. Anyway, that's that one I tried to start watching that time and couldn't get very far in it. Okay, maybe that's where I've heard oh, yeah. Yeah. it when you mentioned it. I was like, it. what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, that, that was the big the big trilogy of... Uh, that's the, the one of the only movies, all three of the... Um, uh, was it Vincent Price, mm-hmm. Peter Cushing, and Christopher Lee? Yeah, 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 they they were only in three movies together. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, Gordon Hessler also did the the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, seventy four, mm-hmm. which is excellent. And uh, but then the black spot in his career is uh, Kiss Meet the Phantom at the Park. Oh yes, oh. nineteen seventy eight. Have you seen that one? I've not. Do you know about Black Ace Freely? <laughs> No. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah, tell him. Have okay. you heard the word of black ace freely? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what they what happened apparently was, uh, I think word around the campfire was Ace was drinking a lot of booze. Ace and Pete, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were really boozing it up, and I think Gene and Paul. I mean, Paul might maybe drink some wine now and again, but Gene doesn't drink or do drugs. Never has. Mm-hmm. So I think Paul said... Is that why he's such an asshole? (laughs) That could be the reason. He could use a fucking drink. Um, But Gene and Paul, uh, not drinkers, not partiers, um, total womanizers. Uh, But the other two guys definitely hitting the bottle. And apparently Ace Freely was so uh, messed up that he couldn't be on on camera. And there was a stuntman who was an African-American fella who... Ace freely not. Uh, so yeah, some scenes you could see. Yeah. It's like, oh, here here comes Kiss. And it's it's like Gene, Paul, Peter, and uh okay, I guess that's Ace. <laughs> but they they had the makeup, the costume, but you could see his hands and his neck. Wow. We're a black man. Not white ace freely. So funny thing there, that's not that's not the biggest shortcoming of the movie. Is this, well, <laughs> imagine the... having kiss in a movie is yeah. the biggest shortcoming. Well, and it's also a Hanna Barbera movie, right? So I was a fan at the time. I was a kid, but I was a fan at the time. I, I, and I remember looking at it, going, "Wow, this this really suffers from shitty writing." <laughs> Some of the worst writing. I don't ever. think they put their best effort into this. <laughs> Perhaps not. Believe it or not. So uh, kiss may have just been. A trying to cash in oh don't say that they would never do that um you could buy kiss condoms you can buy kiss incense i mean really Uh, what won't they put their logo and images on Um, i think kiss is the loudest concert i've ever heard (laughs) i didn't even go to the concert how far away were you uh i lived in the dorms it was probably 500 yards away maybe further it sounded like they were playing in the room yeah it was incredibly loud i couldn't believe that anyone inside like didn't have serious hearing damage they probably did wow um they really let's say what you will about their horrible awful movie uh they really did bring the live show though for uh, yeah they were at the peak then oh yeah like if you if you want to talk about pyrotechnics, costume, makeup, 
choreography of whatever is going on, breathing fire, all that craziness. Um, yeah, you want a live rock and roll show? Go see Alice Cooper. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go see the guy they stole it from. Uh, yeah. So go ahead. Uh, so okay. <laughs> Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park, uh, starring Black Ace Freely. But anyway, he'd, he'd done. He'd, he'd uh, worked as a story editor on the Alfred Hitchcock TV series, and he became a producer on it. Oh, okay. Uh, he directed the uh, one of the best um, Colchak and Night Stalker episodes called the Spanish Moss Murders. Ooh. No, I don't remember, remember that, that one. one. Richard Keel is this kind of muck monster. Oh no, I don't remember that. They have to revisit those. That's Gordon Hessler. Uh, so he's he's working with um, screenplay by Christopher Wicking. Uh, the original screenplay was by Tim Kelly, who's the, the uh, American who uh, he, he wrote. Um, he did tons of plays, like three hundred plays or something. Uh, and he also did the screenplay for Sugar Hill, the voodoo horror movie. Okay. Anyway, ARP, so Arkoff and Nicholson, mm-hmm. they pre-sold the concept, the Cry of the Banshee, so they had this title. And then they gave it to Hessler and Wicking, who took the screenplay, and uh, they just wanted to do a witch movie. They went to Scotland, and they, they like to, spoke to people who professed to be actual witches. And and uh, so the, their plan was to do this movie uh, which is representing the old religion versus Christians, the new religion, mm-hmm. uh, persecuting them. Um, and they, they, they changed it quite a bit. And then Arkoff and Nicholson told them they could only change 10%. So they had to reel it back in. So this mm. movie is kind of patchy. Mm. It's not really... I don't like it that much. It's not satisfying. Um, there's too many directions in it, I think. Mm. But it's really nice looking and, um, you know, it's got a great cast in it and stuff. So um, check it out. It's not, it's not as good as Witchfinder General or Blood and Satan's Claw, I think. Um, anyway, um, the, so the original Tim Kelly story was set in 1870s Ireland. So it's like uh, a couple of centuries after, you know, the movie. Um, there's less of... Certain characters like less of Mickey the Gravedigger, uh, Lady Patricia is older, and she's the first wife of the Lord instead of being the second wife. Um, and ARP, uh, they they took the movie that they ended up with and they cut it, and they um, they took out some of the gore. They tacked on a Poe poem at the start. To you know, because the Poe series with Vincent Price had been so successful, oh. so like you had like unrelated. Movies, I was like, like, "What the hell does Poe have to do with Ireland?" <laughs> There's another one called War Gods of the Deep, where they just stuck a Poe quote on at the start, and there's just nothing to do with it. Oh wow! Um, but um, they uh, and they re-edited it, so there's this like massacre of the pagans that occurs about halfway through the movie, which they edited and they put it on the start. Uh, they 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 had so much change that they had to replace the score, so they got Les Baxter in to do a new score and things. And he, so it's more. Um, some people prefer Les Baxter's score because it's like more electronic instruments instead of period. Um, and the Banshee Whale is unambiguously a banshee. It, like a the, you can the the Blu-ray now um, you can see both versions. Oh. So yeah. in the uh, like I'll call it the Hessler version. Uh, they hear a dog howl and one of them goes 
oh that could be a banshee or it could be a a dog dog um but in the uh the iop version it's this electronic whale and it's pretty spooky and it's you know, mm. definitely supernatural um and and it ends uh yeah um there's various changes anyway um so um and then the uh, director of photography is john coquillon who who done witchfinder general and after this um uh and, and because um peck and Powell watched witchfinder general he chose him for straw dogs oh okay. and so he went on to various things like the changeling and things like that so you know it looks really nice and it's got vincent price as uh, lord edward whitman and uh, they build it as being his 100th movie is actually his 80th, approximately 80th movie. But they had this like party, they had this huge cake with 100 candles on it and stuff like that. They didn't have IMDb back then, so they couldn't prove, yeah. they couldn't prove anything. <laughs> they uh, you say whatever you want. And then you've got Patrick Mower as Roderick, who who becomes the Shide. Um, he's, um, Patrick Mower, he's not really known here, I don't think. He'd been in this... Uh, TV ghost hunter series called Haunted mm. in 67 but I knew him from this like detective series from the late 70s like uh, the the uh, uh, British detective series in the 70s they got really violent and bawdy uh-huh. uh huh <laughs> like uh, in the US you can have violence but you can't have sex yeah but in the UK uh, I, I remember because like uh, uh, when I uh, I used to be in the scouts and so we'd come home and it'd be pretty late at night and he'd always come in and be target would be on TV and it'd always be at the point where the detectives crash through the door and then this woman sits up in bed. <laughs> you could guarantee seeing naked breasts every time. Wow. But, um, that's pretty progressive. Yeah. It was pretty common in British TV in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Patrick Moe. So he, he, he was known for this, this horror series back then. And he was also in the devil rides out in 68. And uh, he was in um, Incense for the Damned in 1970, which is this kind of movie about a Greek vampire. Um, so, uh, yeah, so he, he's the Shide. Um, then there's the, the leader of the witches is played by Elizabeth Bergner, who'd been in movies in the 20s and 30s. And it was her first movie in 29 years. Uh, she's an interesting character. She was the inspiration for All About Eve. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So she's the leader of the witches. Um, uh, and Maureen Whitman is played by Hilary, Hilary Dwyer, who was also in Witchfinder General and The Oblong Box, and it was her last movie. Um, and the, uh, Lord Whitman's second wife is played by uh, Essie Pearson, who was in Danish-Swedish adult films like I, A Woman, and she was in this uh, German science fiction TV series called Mission Stardust hmm. in '67. Um, Burke is played by Michael Elphick, who's, an, who's another guy who's who's really well known in British TV, but not over here. Yeah. And he, it's really weird seeing him, young. Um, I'm showing photos of him right now, but he's this like dashing bearded guy oh, in this yeah. movie, and he's got like clear cut cheekbones and stuff. But you see him just a few years later. He's one of these two actors who are alcoholics in this movie uh, you see him a few years later he looks really totally, old totally yeah. really he old. looks like a roadie for the who yeah i i, I looked up and uh it, yeah it said how old he was when he died and i thought wow he was 
he was that young. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it really did him in. He was in. only 24. But he looked he, like shit. <laughs> he's known for this detective series called Boone, which ran from like 86 to 95. Uh, Boone, okay. He was, I have to check it another out. Another horror film he was in is uh, And Now the Screaming Starts, where he plays a drunk. Um, really, really well. Yeah, and then the, alcohol, the other alcoholic in the movie is Hugh Griffith. He plays this grave digger called Mickey. He, he like he digs graves and he robs the corpses. Uh, he he he'd been in Ben Hur. He, he was like got an Oscar nomination. Maybe he, he won it. Wow, the supporting actor. And he was in Oliver, and he was in both the Fives movies. Uh, and then and one of the villagers is played by Stephen Rare, who's in V for Vendetta. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Crying Game. Uh huh. Um, but he, he's just one of the villagers. You know, oh, he's not, okay. he's not, not even really. got a character name. The Crying Game, that's a great tie-in. Yeah. Neil Jordan. Yeah. Um, and it's shot at the Grimsdyke House in Middlesex, which is uh, which was owned by W.S. Gilbert of Gilbert and Sullivan. Oh, okay. And um, there's a scene where Lady Patricia is painting by a lake, and that lake is where W.S. Gilbert died. In the he, was, he saved a girl from drowning and... Oh, drowned in the process. I know nothing so about that. So apparently, this horse is this house is um, haunted by Gilbert. Oh, okay. It's now a hotel. Uh, and the opening credits animation is by Terry Gilliam. Oh, nice. Uh, if you watch the Hessler cut, then it's animated, and it's you know you recognise it's the it's like Albrecht Durer engravings. Uh huh. Of like the apocalypse beast and various things, and then and a big foot animated. comes out and stomps on. <laughs> yeah, the first thing you see is like there's a, there's this like medieval engraved landscape, and then this huge Vincent Price head comes up and splits, and stuff oh, comes out. Nice. Uh, if you watch the ARP cut, then they just use still images from it. Ah. So there's no animation at all. Um, yeah, so it, it was fun to check his stuff out. Yeah, he he he'd come over to England because he was being harassed by police so much when he was in Chicago, I think. Huh. Chicago uh, cops harassing people. Was he in Chicago or New New York? <laughs> yeah, he, he was New he York was, cops he was harassing like, people. He was like he had long hair, so he was he was yeah. being, he he was being pulled up a lot and he just got sick of it and went over to England. Yeah. But apparently Hessler and um Wicking base their their inspiration was the uh the riots in Chicago where uh, the police were in 68 piling yeah. into and they were using so much gas that you know people in downtown hotels were choking standing in their showers and complaining about this yeah stuff getting in their eyes which turned out to be tear gas oh my and, yeah. and mace that the police were just spraying at everyone in sight but uh, so, so this whole movie is like thank the, god the Chicago cops have really cleaned up their act oh yes yeah. <laughs> They've they've settled way down with all that um, kind of thing. So so it, yeah, it's very much like typical British horror movie class warfare thing going on with this, the old religions being oppressed and uh, you know they're wanting to the new religion, which is two thousand years old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wanting to torture and. Uh, well, at this point, you'd you'd be about a thousand years old. Oh okay. Um, yeah, so uh, they're, they're rounding them up, and then, then they 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 pile into this cavern and 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 kill a bunch of them. They like throw a net over them, and they like and they stick them with spears. Oh man! 
and and you get a shot and you're seeing it from the point of view of someone inside the net oh yeah um but uh but then the uh the 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 leader lays down a curse on the the uh whitman family and uh so this shide appears and uh they start getting knocked off so big recommend uh, not a big recommend. Uh, check it out if you like. Soft the, recommend. Yeah, if you like the atmosphere, if you like Vincent Price, you got to see it. Uh, he's 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 more subdued in this one. He's more of a complicated, more humane human character, not humane, but uh, he's got weaknesses and he's even got some positive points. He's not like the Matthew Hopkins character, in which find a general right. who's like this just awful. Yeah, complete villain. He's you know he's. Uh, you know, he, he's not a nice guy, but do we have good billowy blousy shirts? Uh, lots of naked breasts. In fact, uh, <laughs> there's this grim tone to the film, which is kind of undermined by all the bodice ripping in the first half hour. Mm. It, you know, there's a lot of the, uh, the, the, the rich lads going around, just taking advantage of the local women because they can, they right. can do anything they like. Rich guys taking advantage of women because they can get away with it. So there's. Thank a, God we've changed. Yeah. Yes. Um, so there's. It's. You know, it's got a political point to it, but you know, at the same time, this is an exploitation movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they're not picking the ugly women. Um, yeah. So it, it kind of undermines itself a bit. And as I say, it goes in the various directions. Like the Shide is, is pretty much a Wolfman character. And right. Um, and you've got this witch hunting thing going on and kind of pulls in too many directions, I think. But mm. yeah. it, does, it doesn't exactly know what it wants to be. Yeah. Right? It, so it's it's got a good cast, good looking, good locations. Mm. Well, cool. So worth a look, but... Uh, yeah. Okay, great. Well, shall I go into um, Byzantium? Yeah, sure. All right. So... Uh, Going through and making a list of some of the films that were shot in Ireland, and I was hoping to find, you know, more than just the three or four I could think of, and I came up with a list that, you know, some some earlier ones, but a lot within the last 10 or 15 years. So I had Wakewood, Outcast, Dead Meat, Isolation, Legend of the Bog, and then the ones that kept coming up as like, oh, you got to see these Citadel, Dementia Thirteen, Dementia Thirteen, which I've never seen. Oh, that's a good one. Francis Ford Coppola, nineteen sixty three. Right? Yeah, yeah, good. Roger play. Corman. I love yeah. the soundtrack of that. Yeah, so that's something that every time that comes up, I, I in passing go, oh yeah, I should see that. Now I've written it down. Mm. This is real. Uh, um, the Eclipse, two thousand ten. Uh, I have not seen yeah, it. Yeah, I can lend that to to you. Oh, cool. So Byzantium. So I, so this one comes up more than once in some different lists I look at. And I thought, you know what? Let's check that out. Uh, that sounds good. And I know I told you recently I watched this one from Germany that was called um, We Are the Night. And it's like, finally, another good vampire movie. It's been a while since I saw one that I just liked start to finish. Enjoyed everything about it visually, like the writing. I liked the acting. Uh, the special effects were good. What are the odds that's going to happen again? Well, as it turns out, this was a really good one. And then I see who's directing this thing, Neil Jordan, who um, who was born in Ireland, and uh, this movie is shot there and set there. Um, 
he is well known for uh, uh, The Company of Wolves, which he directed and wrote the screenplay for. Um, the Crying Game, he he directed it and wrote. Um, that was the 1992 Academy Award winner. Mm-hmm. Um, Interview with the Vampire, he directed that one, 1994. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. No, I didn't know that. The End of the Affair, directed, wrote That's the screenplay. Film. Uh, don't remember if I ever saw that one. Michael Collins. Okay. Directed, wrote that one. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm looking at you know his resume and I'm thinking, well, I've liked a bunch of his stuff. Uh, he knows how to handle horror. He's done a really good job with it. I'm checking out Byzantium. This is this is for real. I'm going to do this. Not a problem. Start to finish. Enjoyed the whole movie. Um, they do a series of flashbacks in the movie. If that puts you off, and maybe that part of it won't be as fun for you, but uh, but the flashbacks are significant <laughs> to what's happening in the present. You know, not not like acid flashbacks, like actual doodle 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 doodle. So man. But it gives you the backstory on the characters in, in a few installments and it helps you understand what their dilemma is, what their plight is. So basically, you're trying to figure out, are these two sisters? What's their deal? Um, these two women, um, something's up with them. It's slowly re- revealed that they are vampires. Yet, they can walk around during the daylight. Uh, they don't seem to sprout fangs. Um so if well, in, or in another Irishman would be Bram Stoker. Yes. And in Dracula, he walks around in daylight. Yeah. yeah. So people forget. And he has a Fu Manchu mustache. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which Fu Manchu does not have. No, that's true. Damn. <laughs> the irony is overwhelming yeah. with that, isn't it? it? It's weird. In the novels, it's actually pointed out. This is, this is the weird thing about him. He's the only man in the novel that does not have facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's great. crazy. So why do we call it a Fu Manchu? Because of the movies and the the, yeah. the illustrated later editions. Well, um, I guess before really jumping into the movie, like and just talking a bunch about it, uh, it is good to to know a little bit about where Neil Jordan's head was at for you know is at for being uh, from Ireland. Uh, a couple of quotes I'd like to read. Uh, he said, "I'm fascinated by monsters." monstrous people and fascinated with illogic and irrationality so that's kind of cool because that that really uh gives you the freedom within a script whether you've written it or not to just kind of do the fantastical stuff that vampires should do uh and not adhere too much to the norms of society which they don't have to because they're vampires they can get away with more uh, there's, they've been around long enough to, to figure out the workarounds for when they're being uh, discovered for having done something awful like, oh, I don't know, exsanguinate someone. Uh, he also, uh, Neil Jordan, the director slash writer, said, I grew up in a respectable lower middle class home. Our family was quite educated. My mother was a painter and stuff like that. And I didn't chop up my next door neighbor. But I remember those emotions. It was a very strange world. Ireland is very gray and it seems like nothing has changed for centuries. The only bits of color were in churches with statues and gaudy religious vestments. It, it was a very insanely Catholic country. And you have an educational system run by celibate men in skirts, which is bizarre in itself. But there's just a sweet irrationality to the whole place, he says. So that uh, gives you an idea of, of why he's attracted to certain work or why he directs the way he directs. Um, 
you know, why he writes the way he writes. So, uh, so this movie is set, um, 2010 and, um, and so the, uh, a guy finds some page that a, a teenager has dropped and he's reading it and she's telling her story. So you get a little voiceover, you start to hear the story and you're like, well, what's her deal? What's, what's going on? And, uh, as it turns out, uh, this girl and what appears to be her sister are sort of being uh, uh, pursued, uh, and they're trying to make their way. They're trying to make a living doing something, and it seems like the older sister is, uh, she's working at a strip joint, and she's also working as a prostitute sort of on the side. And she's Playboy. Um, let's see. That would be, let's see. Her character is Eleanor. I'm trying to find the actress's name. Um, I don't have it. Anyway, um, uh, uh, yeah, the name uh, slips my mind right now, but she was in. Um, yeah, let me pull it up real quick here. Quantum of Solace. Uh, the, her character's name's Clara, and then the other, um, the younger sister, is Eleanor. Uh, let me pull this up here. Let's see. Byzantium. We'll just edit this nicely. Okay. Um, let's see. Clara is played by Gemma uh, Arterton. Arterton. Gemma Arterton, yeah. Yeah, okay. So Gemma Arterton and um, Eleanor is played by Saris Ronan, if I'm pronouncing her first name correctly. Um, so the so the two um, who appear to be sisters, uh, you, you start to see a little background on one of them and then the other one um, in these flashbacks. And it's... Uh, I think the first indication that they are from another time is you see a guy who goes into the strip joint looking for this girl. And you can kind of tell even at a glance that the photo he's holding is an old photo. It's kind of yellowy. The hairstyle maybe looks a little different. It looks like it's probably from the 40s, the 30s or 40s. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like he's walking around with a daguerreotype or something. Or, you know, But it's you can tell it's an old photo. And... Uh, at some point, uh, there's a chase that uh, reminds me a bit of the chase in uh, Blade Runner, uh, which might be the only part of the movie you guys liked. But uh, no, you liked Blade Runner, didn't you, Julian? Mm-hmm. Will and uh, oh, Stephen Graham Jones was the one who was on board with you. Not not really digging Blade well, Runner too much. Yeah, so I think uh, we will agree it's like a great looking movie, but yeah, it lets you down in the story department. Yeah, yeah, which a lot of films do. So yeah. you get this great chase scene that it's just like, what's this movie doing? It's kind of creeping along and all of a sudden there's a chase. Mm. And uh, at one point, um, the the woman uh, who works in the strip joint is with this guy. And the great quote from him I have here is, uh, all the time you've had and you've learned nothing, he says. Well, she learned how to decapitate a fool. (laughs) (laughs) This is one spoiler I will give you. She takes this dude's head off with a wire. Yeah. Ooh. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. And you think, yeah, she's not messing around. (laughs) She knows how to survive. So however long she's been around, whether it's since the 30s and 40s, whenever that photo is from, or earlier, and through flashbacks it's revealed um, they've been around longer than that. Mm. And there's a... Since the 20s. Yeah. Now, probably another 100 years earlier than that. So uh, you see that there's a bunch of poshos that are... Uh, that's our new term. <laughs> I just made Will laugh with his own word. Poshos. 
guys in billowy shirts who have more money than the other guys with dirty billowy shirts. Uh-huh. Poshos. So these poshos on Not horse. to be confused with pastos or people who live in the past. Right. These guys are both. They're posh and they live in the past. Pasho pastos. Yeah. So these, these poshos are like obviously, uh, you know, just uh, kidnapping women, taking them to a brothel. Uh, basically selling them into human slavery in, in a sense. They're just like, you're a prostitute now. Oh, I was thinking, why would a woman want to go to a brothel? Yeah. <laughs> here you go. Why are we here? Oh, you work here now. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, so pay well. <laughs> well, you know, it all depends on what you consider being paid well. Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, they're abused. It's horrible. Um, the conditions are awful. And, uh, and the poshos seem to... Um, could be worse. They could work for Apple. <laughs> Making iPods. Sure. You're not talking uh, in, in the Cupertino. You're talking about overseas. No, I'm talking about, yeah, you know. Yeah. Nets around the building kind of <laughs> Apple. So you can't just 22 hour days. Wow. That's why iPhones don't always work right. Yeah. It's like they were, this one was made an hour 20. <laughs> so... Um, so something happens in one of the flashbacks where you kind of see the origin of, of uh, this vampirism, how it how it comes about. And uh, again, I'm not going to spoil. Is it different? Is it new? Is it unique? It is a bit different. Thought? They have to go to a specific location. And um, well, I can, I can say this much. They have to go to a particular little island and a bunch of bats come flying out of a cave. And I don't know if the bats have to bite your skin. Mm-hmm. Or if there's a dude that's in there, I forget. But um, but there's something that needs to happen on this little island. And then the the springs that, that are kind of gushing out of the rock all kind of turn red for a moment. And then the person who I emerges. Think that's, the, that's the bit that's actually filmed off of Ireland. Oh, yeah. Uh, the town's actually on the south coast of England. Yeah. The, Hastings, it, I think. Yeah, they, they actually have um, UK and uh, Ireland both listed as... Mm. Um, well, I think England. That the island is the one that um, they used for um, where Luke Skywalker is at the end of Rogue One. Skellington or, or, or Skelling? No, no, not Rogue One. Um, what, Force Awakens. Force Awakens, yeah. Huh. That's that. Those little Skelling, islands. Skelling something? Skellington? I, I can't remember. remember, but yeah. Yeah, but really. See if I still have the page up here. We could just looking. Yeah, it's we could just tap on place. Film locations here and see what it says. Um, let's see. Filming locations. Uh, Hastings, East Sussex. Um, Barra, County Cork, Ireland. Dublin, County Dublin, Ireland. Uh, then the Trinity College Library. Skellig Rocks. Skellig. Uh, County uh, County Kerry, Ireland. Yeah. There we go. So. Looks cold there all the time. Yeah. It's probably cold and damp year round. Mm-hmm. Hence, no snakes swimming around, <laughs> showing up in Ireland, needing to be run off by uh, religious That's dudes. a good scam, though. Yeah, I sure. hereby banish all snakes. Look. Yeah. There's no Behold, snakes. Behold, no yeah. snakes. Yeah. I've, I've, also, uh, elephants. I've banished all the iguanas from Denver. <laughs> Well, you know, no, except the ones in the zoo. I'm sure there's some iguanas here. Oh, yeah. Well. Probably not, not wandering about much. Not in the wild so much. Yeah, they're keeping a low profile these days yeah. since you came. They're at the <laughs> DIA airport. We know that underground. 
<laughs> Let's see. Oh, the, in the world. Oh, the Paz shows apparently are, um, <laughs> this is during the Napoleonic Wars, and uh, it's two Royal Navy officers. Um, yeah, so. Captain Pasho. <laughs> yes. And his first mate, Pasho. Um, so uh, this young woman is dying of tuberculosis, so it seems, and uh, and she's, uh, for some reason, accompanying them on their their uh, voyage to the little island. Uh, someone's going to be turned into a vampire, and, and uh, she kind of slips in and becomes the vampire. So that's her origin. Now, she had uh, given birth to a baby in the brothel, and as a vampire was kind of spying on this baby uh, as she's growing up, and at some point when she's in her mid-teens, like around 16, um, she turns her into a vampire. So the two of them are just going to live eternally as what appears to be sisters, but they're actually mother and daughter. So they're sort of uh, at the same age, approximately. One of them looks about 21, the other one looks about 16. So the story they give out in the world is that the one is the guardian of the other. And they have to keep moving because, well, you know, people getting exsanguinated tend to draw some attention. And, and the fact you don't age. You don't age whatsoever, right? Man. Well, the the uh, the younger daughter, Eleanor, the, the younger of the two, the um, she is, uh, it seems like, kind of anxious to tell her story. Why do vampires feel the need to interact? I don't know. Because if you're able to live outside the law, why don't you just go live somewhere and not pop up until night, drink some blood, and disappear. I mean, the cops right. aren't going to think there's a vampire out there. How are they going to hunt you down? Right. Well, uh, in We Are the Night, you kind of get more of that. Like, they re they live outrageously for a few hours during the night, but then they vanish. And if things get too crazy, well, they know that they can escape. And in this, and in this they're just sort of like they, they screw things up and have to move on. Mm. They end up in a seaside town... Um, where there's a carnival, it looks like maybe it's just early in the tourist season. It's not really quite kicked off. It's still a little bit cold out. And in, um, in working as a prostitute just for survival money, um, even though they don't seem really too strapped, they don't seem too concerned. Um, uh, Clara ends up meeting this guy who, uh, he he's not really ready to be with the woman, but he thinks he is. And then he kind of has a little breakdown and reveals that his mother died. He's kind of stuck with this hotel, this sort of resort hotel that's a rundown. And you can see the light bulb pop on above her head. And she's just like, hey, let me go hang with this guy. Yeah, I forget I forget his name, but he's a really, really good character actor. Yeah, his character's name is Noel. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget the uh, the actor's name, but he, he does a great job. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, so now they've moved into this uh, this guy's hotel, and um, she's going to turn into a brothel. She knows how to do that. She's been around it her whole life, um, you know, hundreds of years, whatever. So uh, the story goes from there, and after that initial decapitation, you kind of get the idea that maybe the, uh, you know, this board of vampire officials are hunting them, trying to find them, and maybe they're finally close on their trail, which is more important to their story than... Oh, you know, we left a body someone found. They're mm -hmm. not as worried about that. Uh, of course, the more stuff that pops up in the news about people with, uh, you know, a bad case of blood loss, uh, that's going to attract this 
vampire board of of uh, officials. And oh, okay. that's that's where the story's going. And uh, very interesting how it's handled because it seems like one of them maybe is 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 more sympathetic to their cause, and the other one's just a dick. <laughs> and you know, uh, and a weapon he carries uh, explains the title of the movie. Oh, okay, that's what's going to be my next question. Like, what's Byzantium got to do with this? Yeah. Too? <laughs> Nothing sounds Byzantine so far. No, I've not heard any. Yeah, there's no Byzantine nothing. No, there is. And uh, it's the origin of a particular weapon that he's carrying. And uh, and that's not the biggest reveal that I could spoil for you. But uh, uh, they don't exsanguinate with fangs. They have a long thumbnail. And they just basically tear the throat open and then drink the blood. And um, again, no big spoilers, but uh, which I really just want people to see this movie. Now, I want a vampire with little tiny vampire bat teeth and a pokey tongue. <laughs> and giant ears. And they have to lap up the blood while you yeah. sleep. Yeah, but you don't notice. Mm. No. Because there's a numbing agent in your tiny. saliva. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It would be more like real life. So the writing on this uh, on this movie, uh, you know, the, the way this story moves and the way the flashbacks reveal things, it uh, doesn't leave you bored for a minute. The whole thing is just a lot of fun and uh, very interesting. So you hear the banshee out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little 5.5 pound banshee. Um, yeah. So uh, Neil Jordan nailed it. It's great. Uh, all the actors and actresses. Eleanor plays a piece of, uh, I, I want to say it's Beethoven's music, and it appears like she's really playing, this young actress. And uh, and when you read the notes on this movie, she actually did a 12-week crash course in piano playing <laughs> to learn this complicated piece to be able to play it in the movie. Wow. So, she also goes to this art college, didn't she? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they've got... Yeah, they've got. Uh, Been there. Yeah, I like those actors that'll go to that trouble. And I learned how to play the guitar. Yeah, it's like yeah, you play a couple chords, but to play a complicated piano piece. Yeah, the parts where you see the the art college, um, th- there's some interesting parts where she interacts with another student, and uh, he gets injured, so she of course gets really turned on by the blood and has to really sort of. Um, contain her emotions and actions in that scenario. That's really interesting. But um, the creative writing and the conversations with some of the instructors threatens to give away uh, what's up with her. And it it, uh, causes some concern that is then addressed with her supposed older sister slash guardian. And that's where... Some trouble is some more trouble is caused for some mortals in this movie, and uh, again, no major spoilers there uh, that I want to give away. So, I've given you sort of the framework of the plot, mm-hmm. but um, it moves along so well. You got to see this. Yeah, it's available on Netflix. Yeah, which is awesome, and uh, I would. I would say it's probably gonna it's probably gonna get some notice from horror fans as uh, people get bored with everything else. When did this come out? 
this was let's see last year I want, year before I want to say five years ago five, five years yeah two thousand twelve oh okay it's older than I thought yeah and it it holds up I don't like old movies it holds up well yeah. <laughs> they're always so slow yeah you could dial you dial the color out of it and pre- pretend it's from the forties or fifties turn the sound off it's a silent film <laughs> welcome to the age of the talkies all right so uh that one again um irish director slash writer uh well he wrote the, i think he wrote the screenplay based on um a book a, a woman had written called a vampire's story i think uh i wish i'd written the author's name down but she did a good job on it i can't find it it's based on something called a vampire's story mm. and so there you have it um more awesomeness from Neil Jordan. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Well, um, I don't suppose we have any idea what we're going to do for next time, do we? Get out. <laughs> get out. We have to go see Get Out. Yeah. Okay, Get Out, and then uh, maybe Kong Skull Island after that. I'd do that, too. Either or? Either or. Okay, we'll pick as one. As long as it's Get Out. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of Get Out, I think we should probably get out. So, listeners, thank you for listening. And check out the moon rays. Check out the moon rays. And stay off the moors. And that. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.